0: There's no way we could have done that with kids.
1: No chance. I mean, Mike and I, when we lived in New York, we had met and we were dating and we would get dinner at 10 o'clock at night because it was the only time that we had before we then parted ways because he had to be, you know. Was he in med school?
0: Welcome to Owner's Table, where today we talk to Jen Ryan for the second time. That's how good it was with Jen the first time. So Jen is from California, who moved here not too terribly long ago with her husband. Now, the backstory is she owns a couple businesses here in Birmingham, but today we kind of did my first million style where we just talked. We just talked back and forth about different items and different things. And she is one of my favorite people, one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on the podcast. She's so full of information, so full of knowledge, and is extremely articulate in how she gets her message across. So I know you're going to enjoy listening to Jen. But Jen, thank you so much for being here again.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I am so excited what too. It's a privilege. So we're going to do this a little differently. I talked to her about this. We're going to do this. So I have a podcast that I listen to religiously. Every time it comes out, I listen to it. It's called My First Million. Sam and Sean, um, they are just two dudes. We're well not two dudes. We're got kind of a girl. Just talking about stuff. And so that's what I want to do today. Great. So, you're, so I've gotten to know Jen outside of the podcast a little bit too. She's incredibly incredibly interesting fascinating is a better word to describe her and so I just like being around her sitting with her and talking to her <laughs> she's got so much wisdom um, because she's done a lot of different things uh, so let me give you the quick background Good. okay from California yes went to Yale no Princeton yep. played volleyball at Princeton yep met her husband's a doctor He worked at Goldman mm-hmm. in New York and then did work in cybersecurity yep. finance and cybersecurity uh, Married her husband, who's from Colorado. Correct. God, I I'm really wow. good at this. Yeah. Um, then, then they moved to Birmingham. Her husband worked for Dr. Andrews, the famous Dr. Andrews here in Birmingham. Got a chance to work here. And y'all been here how long? Six years. Been here six years. Yeah. So just time enough to really get roots in the place. Mm-hmm. And then her husband gets a job that is a once-in-a-lifetime job. Her husband is the new doc team doctor for the Green Bay Packers. That's right. And I asked yeah. you, and so I was like, the Green Bay Packers. Because so the Green Bay Packers are a special organization. They're one, they're very unique in so many different ways. They're like, they don't have an owner. It's just really, really different. But I said, hey, how long's the doctor that what happened to the doctor? He's retiring. How long has he been there? And you said, what was it?
1: 35 years.
0: 35 years. So <laughs> this will probably be a lifetime thing
1: yeah, for y'all. Maybe.
0: So you excited?
1: We're so excited. That's so good. Well, mixed emotions, right? Because yeah. we're, not to interject, but by the way, great lineup. Yes. You nailed it. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and I too, just to put a pin in this one, I, I'm so grateful that we got to meet Lindsay Miller. Yes. Shout out to oh Lindsay my Millennial, gosh. The best. She is. And it's been so fun to get to know you. And this is such a microcosm of what Birmingham has been to us, meeting amazing people that thanks to other amazing people yep. I've been introduced to, and we've been able to sort of, you know, pull back the hood on this incredible town. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, the job is a once in a lifetime opportunity. We are thrilled. And I told my husband, it's interesting for one of the first times in my adult life, I'm really feeling two things very strongly at okay. one time. Right? Well, um, excitement and pride Yeah, and also, um, a little bit of, you know, like it's unfinished business. We both expected to be here for a really long time. We just bought a house last year. We have a two-year-old. We had looked at school, you know, making all of those Mm -hmm. connections, digging into the community, building businesses, making friendships. And so it is, um, it's how life works though, right? It's the exact same feeling we had when we were leaving New York City, coming down to Birmingham, thinking, that wasn't an expected turn, right. but we took it, and uh, here we are.
0: Okay, so so what we have, let me just tell you the rundown, everybody the rundown. So I've got a list of things that I think are cool. She's got a list of things that she thinks are cool and she wants to talk about. So I'm going to go back to her. I'm going to go off your list. Okay. So you're moving. We're moving. So California, first time. California to Upper East Coast. Mm-hmm. And then Upper East Coast. Didn't y'all go to Europe? Yes. Europe for a little bit? Yep. You went to Europe for a little bit, yep. and then now you're in Birmingham. Yep fixing to go to green bay correct okay this is hard for a lot of people but you you say right here you got a pretty good framework for transition so tell me about let me expand on that
1: so i will admit to you sitting at this table and to anybody who's listening um i am a strange bird because i like change i actually look forward to new things okay i enjoy meeting new people um it's a an odd thing to admit, but when I was in New York young and single, I enjoyed first dates because it was so fascinating to sit across the table days. to meet people and understand where they came from and what makes sure. them tick. And New York is one of those really interesting places where you know, the fabric is very diverse. People mm-hmm. come from all over and they've got you know, different stories to share. So take that as a little bit of a setting for this. But when I was leaving New York, And coming to Birmingham Mm -hmm. in a twist that I didn't expect. And I was theoretically coming for one year with Mike. It was a one year fellowship. That's right. Right? And so you sort of had to, you know, wrap your brain around this idea of you wanna get there and meet people, but you by the time you get there, it's kind of time to leave. And so getting my head around that, I remember going to a mentor from Goldman, and she said, put everything else aside, put perfect on paper. Perfect on paper. Right. Put perfect on paper. And for for you, that might be financial, where you, where from where you work, um, you know, the type of job you're doing. But she said, really, put everything on paper and really spend some time doing this exercise. Mm-hmm. And I've done this exercise three times now. Mm-hmm. And they, the answers in each of those exercises has been so different. What we needed financially as a family, what I was looking to do in terms of muscles to flex at work, um, the types of exposure I was looking to get. Um, When I came to Birmingham, I knew I needed to work remotely.
0: So hold on, go back. Types of exposure, You were. what does that mean? It
1: means for me it was the type of company, the size, the scope, Mm. the exposure to experiences. I knew I walked in and I had a lot of gaps in my portfolio. I had done one thing or two things in the financial world and I wanted to move into technology. Mm. I didn't have a lot of business. Why did
0: you want to go into technology though? Just because it was popular and it was intriguing or like you were tired of finance?
1: No, it was more the former. It was was interesting. And it was, in my opinion, back in 2016, it was so clear that this was going to be driving almost every decision we made as humans, mm-hmm. right? So in yeah. some way, shape, or form, getting smarter in an area sure. that I didn't know a lot about, right. felt like, you know, and I still, we didn't have kids yet. Yeah. Um, we were still renting, didn't have a mortgage. In terms of risk, this felt like the right time for me to be able to go and test the waters and try something new. Right. Um, but remember, that perfect on paper included everything. How many hours I wanted to work a week, how much I wanted to get paid, what I wanted to be doing, yeah with whom I wanted to work and I put together a really specific list and I gave myself a time frame to go yeah. out and achieve it. And the last piece of the paper, putting on paper, setting a time frame, the last piece was really leveraging my community and mm. we know yeah. our network is our net, net worth. worth. Right. Yeah. And so that was a matter of me going and calling everybody. I knew whether they worked in tech or not and asking for advice, for feedback, people that I'd worked with people that I'd worked for um, and really, almost, it felt like a 360 review. Am I really yeah. clear on who I am, what my priorities are? And then I went and knocked on doors and it was a 90 day process, but I whittled it down to types of companies I wanted to work for specifically what they were doing. Right. I wanted to work for a private company, not a public company um, where the CEO wasn't the founder. I mean, I had a lot of specifications and what it did for me was force me to think about what was important at that mm-hmm. phase of life. Like that's the through line. Sure. And when I got to Birmingham, okay. It, there were two companies that I was really excited about that checked almost all of the boxes mm-hmm. for me as an individual, for our family, for what we needed to achieve. And that was the first time I'd done that. I did that a second time when I was opening blue root, mm. right? Transitioning to a brand new industry. So
0: when you came here, I forget you came here, you worked for the cybersecurity company when you came here, Correct. but you'd had to do it remotely.
1: I did. They were, it was a okay. Silicon Valley based company.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you did that. And then when you transitioned to blue root, was that, how did you, why, why, what made you want to do that? Just the creative thought process?
1: We had taken the tech company public. Right. And I... Wanted to assess where my mm, next step, where the sure. next steps were going to take me. Right? Did I want to stay with that company? Did I want to move on? I had had some itchings to do some more entrepreneurial work, but as I was searching for the right call for you know God to drop the answer out yeah. of the heavens and right into my lap, I was getting increasingly frustrated with the lack of healthy food for a working person. Mm. And it was serendipitous where finally I looked you know myself in the mirror and said, "Is this is this the answer I've been looking for? It's Cyber right in front of security. me." Let's open Joe a restaurant. restaurant. <laughs> There's absolutely <laughs> a path.
0: <Zero>. yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you could not find a, um, a riskier sort of industry to jump into with zero experience, oh. I mean, that's it, you know? Right. And so I had to, I spent six months doing that exercise. Perfect on paper. What did it look like? What did the company look like? Um, what did the team look like? Where did we wanna go? How are we gonna grow? Like every question that I could think of. And that journey um, allowed me to take the leap and leave Mm. the corporate job and say, it's time to do this. Scary. Right. Really scary. But I felt really good about the work that I had done to feel comfortable with making that leap.
0: Have you done this in the transition to Green Bay yet?
1: That's the third time. So I'm in the process of doing this now. And Mm -hmm. this is a different experience because now I have a two-year-old. We are going to make new friends. We're building a new community. And I've learned so many things about what it meant to be intentional in a new place. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty good at it. I mean, (laughs) I got some practice, (laughs) but we're trying you know, you want to take those learnings. And so we're in the process. I am in our family is of asking ourselves, not just what, the job success would look like. But more Mm -hmm. importantly, what does it mean for our daughter? What does it mean for friendships? What does it mean for community? I mean, we're not sticking around for five minutes. This is a long-term commitment. And it's a place where we don't have really any friends, no family and no roots. We're not from the Midwest. We're at least a plane ride or two from anybody that we're (sighs) related to. And so we really took um, a leap and we made some sacrifices. But the question for us was how are we going to make this experience incredible. Right. When we look back in five and 10 and 15 years, what's important.
0: So let me ask you this. What are you wanted, wanting to do for work? Yeah. Cause you do not seem like a stay at home mom.
1: How about this? Here's what I've learned in my couple of decades on this planet. Okay. Um, never say never. Right. right sure. Never say never. And I've learned that the hard way cause I've had to eat my words, yep. but I will say in this phase right now um, I am trying really hard and many days I feel like I'm failing miserably at trying to balance being a great mom and being a leader of two companies mm-hmm. and being a leader of two companies doesn't just mean setting the strategic direction. It means, Mm-mm. you know, supporting your team sure. and the humans behind it. Yep. And it's really hard to do all of those things really well every single day. And by the way, any working parent who's listening to this feels that, right?
0: You yeah. Know that. I heard a girl say one time that the word, there is no such thing as work life balance. No, and she she used the analogy of a bike mm-hmm. and she said, when you try to balance on a bike, you fall off. Mm-hmm. She said, but where you have success on a bike is when you're going in one direction. And so she said, when you try to have, when you try to balance the two, most of the time you fail. Yeah. But she, the bike analogy was really good. She said, when I'm on a bike, I, if I'm going in one physical direction, I can be really really good and be really effective and you know what don't don't really screw it up a lot right but you know, if i'm going in the other direction i can be really really good and not screwed up a lot
1: mm-hmm.
0: but where she what she said was and this is the thing i took from it is when you're working don't it sounds horrible in a way but don't try to think about i know like your kid and the and the husband and all that stuff now She was very clear. She said, hey, take 20 minutes in the middle of the day and have that block, or 15 minutes, have that block when you check in. You do all the things that you need to do. But she says, if you're at work, be there. Yes. And if you're at home, be there. That way you can like totally... Yes. You're very, very good at that. Thank you. That I've seen, because I'll like... I am extremely just like impulsive. And so I'll send a message, a text right. and go, Hey, whatever. whatever and it's like seven eight o'clock at night. And sometimes you answer the next day, yeah. which that's great. I know. But no, no, no that's great. That's a learning
1: moment. Huh? Cause I used it to be the is. person that responded I have to respond. right away.
0: Yes. And so that's very, very good. But like, so we've got crew.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And we've got blue root. Yep. What is the plan for blue root?
1: So taking a huge step back mm-hmm. before crew before
0: let me stop go back yeah. for those of you who don't know blue root is a wonderful restaurant here in birmingham that jen opened with the idea of the passion of having healthy food for people business executives she's got a wonderful spot down in pepper place which is in downtown birmingham extreme like epicenter for so many different things so i'm sorry Go. Yeah. so what's the plan with no blue root? thank
1: you so the plan before crew came along and before the baby and before the move all these things the idea with blue root was to open up an operation in downtown Birmingham and support that infrastructure and mm-hmm. that community and the broader Birmingham community by eating healthy by serving healthy food, but we are gonna grow. And so the idea was how do we take that, how do we learn and do that first unit really, really well and take it and replicate it in tertiary cities across the Southeast and the Midwest, really where they're flyover zones for really wonderful healthy yeah. food, right? New York has it, LA has it, San Francisco, Chicago. I mean, there are other cities that look a lot like Birmingham that are deserving of yeah. food options like this. But then you tack on these other things. We launched Crew, a Mm -hmm. second business. I had a baby, and now there's a move. And all of a sudden, this pro forma that I had written, this trajectory that I really wanted to support and push on, seems near impossible without help. So the long and short of it is, the unit that we have in Pepper Place continues to flourish and stay open. And I have an amazing team, shout out to Chef Robin Beshinsky, Luis, Leo, Laura. I mean, we're so lucky. But the question is, how do I take that idea of growth and make it a reality? And this is one of those inflection points as I get older, we'll talk about vulnerability. Like I looked myself in the mirror and realized I needed help. Sure. I couldn't do it by myself. Yeah. And so the question for me was, do I go and share with people over the last few months that I'm leaving mm-hmm. and that I am moving and life is taking me in a different direction. Does that put me in a spot of vulnerability and almost um, weakness, mm, you know? Yeah. And the answer was I did it. I went yeah. out and I talked to everybody that I knew really well and people that I didn't and was open to every conversation. And I asked advice. It wasn't asking for anything specific. It yeah, was just, Me
0: and you had the same had that conversation. You asked yes. me. Yes. Yeah. What,
1: what do you think? How would you approach this? And so I went to- these smart people that are in the industry or not, right. and just say help, help me think through this. And ultimately, out of the woodworks, a bunch of people have now approached me and asked if they can partake, invest in the company. I've had some op- you know opportunities to sell the company, things that I wasn't really prepared for, mm. and now there are options on the table. And so, once I have options on the table, I can really start to sift through what's the right next step for Blue Root. Yeah. So the unfortunate um, answer is that I don't know yet. And the real answer, just being raw and authentic with yeah. this group of people, is. That's the space I don't play well in. Yeah. I want to know what's next. And the level of uncertainty that I have with the, the growth opportunity for Blue Root right now um, is something that's making me you know, a little anxious Sure. because I want to have a plan. But I know that we are in great hands to do what we're doing today, and we're going to keep doing that. But
0: you feel confident enough to know that you can move to Green Bay not have to physically be in the building and it'll run yes. as smooth as possible. Yes.
1: That's great. Which is amazing. And that's why we've kept the operation small. We're lunch only on Saturdays. We have a team of four. Um, I lean on crew a lot if we need additional yeah. support. And we've just really found our lane. We found, you know, it's like that conversation around product market fit for any entrepreneur. We figured out sort of where we play. Um, but I've really had to ratchet back growth aspirations. And that's what's been hard.
0: <sighs> yeah. we were t- Luke and I were talking about that today is like, you know, because we're in a position, we're trying to grow, we're trying to thrive. Like, what do we do there? But like, yeah, I mean, I can get, hey, I'm fixing to transition, move to a different state. It's going to be hard for us to grow right now. Right. It's hard for us competitors an athlete, as yeah. a go-getter or someone wants to do something to like really sit back and go, hey, you know what? It's okay to stay mm-hmm. steady for a little bit until we figure out what the next step right. is.
1: right. As long as you don't go backwards. Problem. Exactly. Exactly. And that it's putting the nuts and bolts in place. It's having tight operations. It's having, you know, really clear, a clear framework for communication with the team. But that's the hardest thing for me. Just being honest right now is I have opportunity to grow and I've got people saying, let me help you. And the reality is I've had to push pause. I just want to make sure that we're really doing well at that one thing every single day versus adding more to the plate that I can't support in a really meaningful way. And that's a hard thing. But so Blue Root will continue mm-hmm. as it stands today. And I hope if there's ever a three peat on your podcast, I will yes. potentially come back and tell you Have hey, an answer. Hey, look at this. Yeah. These cause I have a couple of really interesting opportunities on the table and I hope um Can
0: you tell can you tell us about them?
1: I wish I could. Yeah, but, sure.
0: Um, you did that the last time you were here too. I did. Every I time she comes on, the two times she's come Just on, she's like, I've got these things that I can, I, I know in my mind, but I can't tell you.
1: <laughs> a little cliffhanger. Yeah, exactly. So it's okay. We're going to come back. Yeah. But um, but I have crew. So yeah. crew is the other um, organization that takes a lot of daytime for me. And crew is an app that connects, you know, any talent that wants to work flexible hours, and they pick up shifts and support the hospitality industry.
0: What cities are you in now?
1: Yes. We're essentially across Alabama, so big players in Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, Auburn, Huntsville, Muscle Shoals. You'll see us starting to um, penetrate some of those other markets like Montgomery and Mobile. And then we are just about to shift into Atlanta, which is really exciting. And with new... I've got a guy in
0: Huntsville that I'm going to connect you
1: with. Excellent. I love that you're writing this down. I can't wait. Um, We've been so grateful And lucky and privileged and all the things to have found the momentum we found in Mm -hmm. Alabama over one year because we launched last June. And so I'll continue to run crew from Green Bay and be back a lot.
0: How often, how many hours a week are you involved in Blue Root? And I say involved, will that be email, lists, systems, and physically being in the building?
1: Yep. It's probably 20 hours a week. Okay.
0: Same question for crew.
1: Yep. Um, it's, Hey, that bike analogy kind of feels like the same sometimes where some weeks it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more, some weeks a little bit less. It feels like, um, that 50, 50 split, give or take, not that there's really a 40 hour work week, but I would say, yeah, I would say 20 to 30 on each of those. Yeah. And a lot of the things for blue right now are behind the scenes working on these potential opportunities. And Mm. I still, I still decided to maintain, um, oversight on things like payroll and, um, we review the financials, and I have my fingers on sort of all big strategic decisions. Um, I work with our marketing team. I'm ensuring, like, ensuring sort of you know the direction we want to take with new menu items. But the team is doing an incredible job executing on that strategy. What
0: is the last thing you think you will let go of on the blue root part? The small business. Okay, so so this is take the personality as an owner. Mm-hmm. What would be the last thing you relinquish to somebody slash something?
1: Strategic direction. Right. Really? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, and I could be wrong. Not on this money. Point. Oh, well, see, here's the deal. So just to put her out there, I have Lindsay Miller, me too. Who is supporting me as financial brain power sure. and accounting. And yep. yes, that doesn't mean I won't ever check. It just, it just means that I've got processes in place whereby there sort of there isn't a single point of failure. Yeah. But when it comes to me and using my brain on the things that I'm good at, I'm not an accountant. Yeah. Um, I'm also not a culinarily trained person and I can't be there 24 seven. So like this idea of quality checking forever, mm-hmm. I clearly can't, can't do physically do that, yeah. where we go and how we do it. And that I think a big part of that is the team, right? The humans right. behind it. It will be really hard for me to say, okay, so long, farewell. That's wonderful. As long as I have a stake in the business. Now, if there's a full sale, I think, you know, somebody comes in and we find the right partner that that's different where I would have to say it's your turn now. Sure. Right. But if I still have a stake in the business, that's to that's me. That's going to be hard. Yeah. But doesn't go away that. right away.
0: Perfect. So, yeah. All right. What do you got?
1: Gosh, we got a few things. So we talked about transitions. Mm-hmm. I do think um, there's a great book by Ryan Holiday called yep. The Obstacle is the Way.
0: Okay. I've read a couple of his things. I have not read that one. Okay.
1: There is another one um, that I just got my husband, which is, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it is a quote of the day for dads. And it the, m- the best opening line in the preamble is something along the lines of, You know, nearly everyone can have children, but not everyone can be a parent. Mm -hmm. And it's a good prompt every day for how can I be present with the the child or children that I have. So I do love him. But Ryan Holiday's other book, which is The Obstacle is the Way, is all about shifting mindset. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you, if you you will. Right. So the idea on transitions, I go back to that book a lot, which is. Am I thinking about this in the right way? Mm-hmm. Is Am I nervous or anxious or is this actually an opportunity? So that's sure. the last thing I'll say about that piece. Um, I will also say one learning moment I found in the transitions when I was shifting from one industry to, the, to another, okay. which was, by the way, on, um, at, on the surface, it sounds really hard. It sounds almost impossible. But I went from, I was an English major and I'd never taken an econ class. I just want to be really clear. And I worked on Wall Street for 10 years.
0: So let me, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Okay. So we have this debate going on at our house. So I've got a 14-year-old at the time of this filming. And she and I I do not care if they go to college. I really, really don't. But I also understand that college is a time frame. Nolan Richardson said this at the University of Arkansas. He was coaching basketball. And Mike Anderson taught me this. Mike Anderson worked for Nolan. Mike Anderson taught me this. Mike said, I've got to get out of you as much as I can because you're not at your peak yet. And you think 18 to 22 year olds is a physical peak, and it's not, it's not. These guys are 26, 27, 28, 29 years old. That is the physical peak of who we are. In some sports, it's even higher. Sure. Okay, Powerlifting, like the strongman, that's in their 30s, believe it or not. Okay? So I tell my daughter this all the time, because she's like, she wants to do music, but she's a 5'11", 14 year old. Mm who's got good genetics and understands the game of volleyball. Yes. And my wife and I love college sports. Yes. We can attribute so many advantages in our lives, relationships, thoughts to college sports. Yes. So I want everybody to hear that you went to college at one of the best colleges on paper in the world. People give their left arm to go to this place. Okay? But you have an English degree. Correct. And you went in finance. Yes. So really the thing that you learn in the classroom is really not what is important.
1: So I will I will accept what you say, but I'll also push okay. back a little bit. I
0: saw your face when I, I said
1: something. I like the problem. And maybe you said me for that yeah. one. I think so. Yes. And Princeton is one of those places, it's a liberal arts college right. whereby there aren't um kind of You know there isn't a like a law major or a um, pre-med major you have to do sort of classes to get certificates there wasn't a finance major there wasn't a business major there's not an entrepreneurship major what you end up having is sort of broad brushstrokes. you've got a history you know option or an english or political science maths science whatever it might be but and you can get certificates sort of minors if you will but the point is when you look at that you're like how does this tee you up for real life Mm. and Looking back and I felt it when I was there, but you know, you're much wiser later on looking back. So in, in hindsight, what we're learning are a lot of these skills that are really hard to teach critical thinking. So, right. Having being asked a question in front of your peers, when you're at that ripe age of not wanting to be embarrassed and looking like, you know what you're talking about, being able to articulate your thoughts, being able to synthesize a lot of information, being able to connect dots. Um, I mean, it sounds a little bit silly, but that's what we really learned. It was that it was relationships. And I will say, hands down, being an athlete in college, taught me all of these invaluable skills, which by the way is why when I look through resume stacks, I look for the kid who was flipping burgers and who played sports. And that doesn't mean, or I would just say have like another hobby and or interest. Because what that teaches me is this person, is flexing a muscle outside of the curriculum, and it's even more interesting if they're able to get great grades. Yeah. They figured out time management. They've understood what it means to play on a team. They Damn. know what it means to take feedback in yes. hard times. They know what it means to work through a difficult situation. I mean, right. those are really hard lessons to learn. Yeah, but they're really important.
0: If you can learn them at eighteen to twenty-two, yes, you can apply them. Yes. Justin Justin Kraft, who owns Nallen Associates Financial Insurance, do have under assets probably. Half a billion. Yes. Just about everybody on his team played sports in college. Yeah. And he told me a story about this one guy that he just hired that wasn't an athlete. It's like, Thomas, I did not want to hire this kid. And he gave him three different tests over the course of like six weeks, Jen. Okay. This kid kept coming back. And he finally hired him, and he's been great so far. Okay, amazing. But he just hires athletes.
1: I think there's something there the athletic experience answers those questions for you. It's really oh. hard to test for those in an interview, sure. right? So if, by the way, if your friend can tell us what those interview questions and tests look mm-hmm. like, because we're always trying to test for those soft skills, right? Yeah. And so the through line of all of this for me was, I learned a ton when it came to um, how to think, how to engage with people, relationships, and all those sort of formative experiences. Right. And again, the athletic experience was, you know, hands down incredible. But I will say what it did teach me also is that if you're open to learning, mm-hmm. we learned how to learn. Yeah. Right? I can learn, mm-hmm. you know. And so when we think about bringing people into Blue Root or Crew, it's so much less about the hard skills.
0: I can teach you to do
1: almost anything. It's the mindset you bring, the attitude, right. the grit. I mean, again, soft stuff. Um, and so that's what was really important.
0: The practical thing to me, too, yeah. is I'll say this. I don't know what people did with all the time that didn't play sports. I don't know what they did. <laughs> so seriously, like... During the season, it was 25, 30 hours a week doing your sport, mm-hmm. just doing it, right. not to mention any of the travel, not to mention any of the other things that go, they don't get counted. But I sit there and, and, and if I wasn't playing sports, we had workouts, we had conditioning, mm-hmm. we had meetings, things like that. But I had a job Me too. 25, 20, 25 hours a week, mm-hmm. freaking till one o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I sit there and I go, like there's this kid, he was dating my niece, going to college. And I go, hey- you going to do he's like what do you mean i like when you get to college you're like you're not playing a sport I'm like what are you going to do he's like i'm gonna go to class i'm like bro you're gonna be so freaking bored i was like you gotta find a job now nah, i'm gonna go find a job i'm like dude you need you need to find a job because the yeah. only thing that you can do is get in trouble yes and get lazy yes that's mm-hmm. it and the first semester and i asked him i was like oh you even used to do that played so many video games so i'm like it's awful so, if you don't play a sport in college, you need to find some. I told somebody this other day. I said, go find something. I said two things. You need to find something where you can make a little money to yeah. have, just have some dollars. For sure. But then find somebody that you can go work for for free yes. and just figure out, do I like this thing? It's brilliant. Do I like this yes. thing? So, Mark Millicar, who's a great friend of mine, who I'm going to have on the podcast, does finances for people. He had a, one of the, um, he played football in Mississippi State. An athlete. He said that one of his teammates' dads owned a financial firm. Okay. And said, My kid is not going to do this, but I know you. Will you come intern with me or something for a sure. summer? And he did. He that fell it. in love with it. That's and that's it. what he does to this stage. Yeah. He's 36, 37 years old.
1: That's incredible.
0: But that, like, you got to go figure out what you like. Yes. And what, you, number two, I heard a guy say this the other day, what are you good at? Yeah, because just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean you're very good at it. Because no. like, if I was passionate about singing, that would not be a very good career for me because I'm not very good at that. Right. So you got to figure out what you're good at That's too. Right. That's so, right. but college sports helps you figure out what you can and can't do in a lot of ways. which And two, the time thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How much time do you have? What can you do? What can you fit in this? What what, what can I do with my free time? So By the all way, those things. I had things.
1: so much time before kids. Listen. Wow. <laughs>
0: So let's talk about Revelation. that. Let's talk about that. So I heard a guy say this the other day on, a, on some kind of podcast. He said, it is an unfair advantage for someone single and with no kids in the workforce. Yes. Because the amount of time that you have that yeah. you can go to anything that you want to do yeah. is astronomical. Yes. I mean, so for example, when Jack and I were first married, no kids. I coached. This is not an exaggeration. NC State, I worked for a boss that had been in the NFL for 20-something years. I worked 90 hours a week, straight up, 90 hours a week. So he comes to me on a Friday. I'd been there since 6 o'clock in the morning. It's 6.30 at night. i have been there 12 and a half hours all day. Hey, Thomas, he's from Minnesota. Hey, Thomas, get out of here early today. Go take your wife out to dinner. I go, Coach, I've been here 12 and a half hours. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we did six months a year. Right. And we loved it. Yes. Jackie was probably 60 or 70 hours a week. Yeah. Doing volleyball, teaching school. Because yeah. yeah. she had to travel a lot. Right. But like, there's no way we could have done that with kids.
1: No chance. I mean, Mike and I, when we lived in New York, we had met and we were dating. And we would get dinner at 10 o'clock at night because it was the only time that we had before. We then parted ways because he had to be... Was he in med school? He was in residency. In residency, okay. Right, and so, and you you need to be on your A game. You need to be able to prove yourself, but you're also trying to learn because this is your time to absorb everything that's important that you're going to put into practice later. Sure. But, um, I mean, I remember saying no to so many things when I was in my 20s because I was heads down working really hard. Um,
0: I told Luke, the guy that's been working with us, I said, saying no is a superpower. It is. If you can figure out how to say no to the right things, mm-hmm. it will open up you to so many different things. It will. So, okay. Thoughts I have. Yes. I'm going to, you answer this really quickly and then I'm going to answer this. Yes. So what are, I don't care what it is, okay. business, family, what are, what are three things you will not compromise on come hell or high water? Mm-hmm. Three things you are not going to compromise on.
1: Um, it doesn't mean I'm perfect at these, but I really Yeah, can't. sure. Morning routine. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Give um, me,
0: give me the 30 second version of that
1: workout, meditation, journal, Mm -hmm. coffee, by the way, it could be two or one or two of those things. But the point is me time before I go
0: seven days a week.
1: Um, usually it's the five and like maybe one day on a Saturday or one day on a weekend. And a piece of that too is setting up my day in terms of priorities. Like what's the one thing I have to get done today. Right. Great. Move the needle.
0: All right. So morning routine, Mm
1: -hmm. um, family dinner. How many days a week? Seven,
0: seven. Yeah.
1: And that may mean that Mike and I go on a date night, but we have like a little bit of time with the two year old. And, but it's, it's the only time. And granted he's working late sometimes. I'm definitely working late, but it's really important even though she's really small for us to do that time. We did that when we were kids. That's great. It's really important. Um, And we have the privilege of doing that. And I think that our lives are about to change a little bit. And so Mm. we'll take what we can. Right. Um, And it's connected to that, but I will say the third thing that comes to mind um, and there are probably so many others that I should say, but um, it sounds really silly bath time. So even if dinner is missed...
0: <laughs> so two of these three things I was not expecting. You weren't okay, it go it ahead. All. Um, yeah, this is awesome.
1: It's it's me time in the morning to set myself up, and it's nighttime routine. When I don't answer, it's the phone between 6 and 8 o'clock. It's because... P.M.? PM. It's... We're there. We're cooking, eating, talking, phones down, and then we go up and we do bath time. And Mike and I sitting next to the bath, talking about our day, engaging with her. It sounds so silly, but it, it is one of the most precious things, and it just... You just, everything else goes away. It just doesn't matter. And so, by the way, if I'm rude to anybody that not answering my phone between six and eight and it's emergency, this is the no go zone for us. Sure. It just is. And then we put her down and we sit together and we read books and we sing songs and we're lucky to have one child. God willing, I will have more. But if this is it for us, I just really want to do what we can. We're running so fast during the days. Um, that it's just the time we're trying to, you know, hold on to. So with that said, a book in the days as best I can. That's great. Yeah. So it grounds me. And by the way, when I miss it, I feel it.
0: Oh my gosh. My, yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> well, um, what did
1: you think I was going to say?
0: You know what? I didn't know. Yeah. I did. I did not know. I knew that you were, we we're similar in the, like we have, pretty regimented as far as just like routines and things like that. I did not know. I was not expecting bath time. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting dinner time. Yeah. But that's,
1: yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. So there so, we are. Surprise. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, what about
1: you? What are yours?
0: So for me, I remember the three things I won't compromise on are number one. It's a morning thought, but there's, there's things in the morning that I seven days a week, 365 days a year that I'm going to do. And that's number one, like time with Jesus. Like I need the time to sit, slow down, let the world. People always talk about, well, I don't have to get up early. You know, you know what? You don't have to get up early. You don't. But when I'm up early between four and five o'clock in the morning, no one's bothering me. I agree. And you that own two businesses and have a husband and have a two-year-old, everybody's asleep.
1: Except, well, mic's up too then. Yeah. But that's our only time.
0: That's it. I know. Mm-hmm. So no one bothers me. No Phone's not ringing. None of that stuff. So my time with Jesus is extremely important. Sometimes it's 12 minutes. Sometimes it's 45 minutes. Sometimes sure. it's an hour. Yeah. The next thing is, and some people disagree with me this on, is fitness. Like I'm going to, well, a lot yeah. of people say and argue with me to, to, the, to the death about taking an off day. Like, oh. I exercise every single day, seven days a week, yeah. every single day. Yeah. Because and and I'll say this: some days the intensity is not like this morning. I was feeling it this morning, so I went hard yeah. this morning. Yeah, but I may not go so hard tomorrow. Yeah, and so figuring out that that the fitness part of what I do is that those those two things are incredibly important. Um, the third thing which I'm we're, we're working on is trying to s- stop and look at my wife and just talk mm-hmm. now sometimes this has this does get compromised out of town whatever mm-hmm. this is the thing that we are working this is the thing that I'm trying to be the third thing Yeah. because with three kids two of the three of which are playing multiple sports it is not easy so those are the things Jesus Fitness and then Time with Jackie and sometimes the Time with Jackie is five minutes now mm-hmm. I'll say this the bath time thing is wonderful I think I'm going to go talk about that with her and see if we can get that because that's wonderful um okay what else do you have what is give me so some let's of see. your thoughts oh we
1: we're talking about um so the transition situation i will say one additional thread yeah. on that one is the lesson learned for me i remember when i was trying to make this jump and i put perfect on paper and i you know really nailed what i really wanted to pursue and the companies i wanted to talk to and the people i was trying to get in touch with i made this terrible mistake of thinking that my resume was going to speak for me Mm. and the resume is like what's happened and the best advice that my boss at that company that I ended up working for said, Jen, what got you here won't get you there. Mm -mm. And it's just a good reminder of putting a really good story around who you are and what you can do and being able to extract the learnings, the mess ups, the vulnerabilities from the experiences. Because when you're interviewing in a new space, it doesn't matter if it's your first job out of school and you've got no track record or you're 50 and you're like, I'm going to try something new. The most compelling thing that somebody can hear across the table is here is what I have learned and here is what I'm going to do for this company, how I'm going to apply these skills and these experiences. And so being able to put a really good story, I think, was the lesson learned for me and um, not sort of reading through the resume.
0: Yeah. And it
1: sounds obvious, but I can't tell you how many people come across my desk and they want to walk through their resume and they talk about what they've done as if they've achieved all of life's, you know, greatest accomplishments. And I'm like, you're missing the point. Yeah. Right.
0: So I mean, you also got to work with somebody. If you're interviewing them, you're right, you also got to work with somebody and you want them to be at least a little bit intriguing. Obviously they have hard skills that you need, sure. but also like, I want to know who you are yes, because I'm spending more time with you than I am the skill that you have. Mm-hmm. And so being able to spend time with someone, you, you got to be able to talk. And some people you, I told someone this yesterday. This is so crazy. You don't have to absolutely love somebody, but you have to respect them. But you also there has to be something in your soul that like enjoys being around that mm-hmm. person. Because if you walk in the door and you say, "Oh God, they're Jennifer," mm. you can't do that. It's gonna
1: be a long. It's gonna be a long, long
0: relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, sure um, okay, so let's talk tactical yes. things. So, I get people asking me as I've gotten older. Turned 43 in April. I've gotten older. The younger people, 20s. Hey, what would, because cause like, you know, we own our own business, mm-hmm. real estate. From the outside, obviously, mm-hmm. we have a relatively successful, what is successful, no one right. knows, right. Uh, family life. like, And they are asking like, hey, what should I do? Yes. So from a tactical standpoint, I don't want theory. Sure. What would you tell a 23-year-old that came up to you and said, Hey, what, what, what's, what, what would you do if you were my age right mm-hmm. now?
1: So I think one of the greatest gifts one could give themselves, particularly at that early age where you are a blank canvas, right? Mm-hmm. You've got college under your belt, um, school under your belt, maybe, maybe not, maybe just ready to go and try something new. Um, it sounds so easy, but ask people To shadow and spend time with them Mm -hmm. for free, right? And this is where, this goes back to this idea of what's perfect at every stage of life. And there are going to be moments when finances are really critical. I remember for me, a big goal leaving college was to be able to stand on my own two feet. And that just narrowed the scope of jobs I was able to take in New York City, right? And so that was an important, you know, step forward for me to do that. Um, it's not that I was dying to work on Wall Street. Just to be really, really clear, I was dying to, you know, grab some technical skills. I wanted to be able to be financially sound. I wanted to be able to meet people and I wanted to live in that city. This was a learning experience for me. It wasn't okay. because I was so compelled by the um, the industry necessarily. So I would say, if you're 23 and you're in a position to look forward a little bit and ask your 30-something self, what is what do I want to have sort of in my you know, what arrows do I want to be able to shoot when I'm 30? Skills, experiences, relationships. And I think that really starts to help one form what's important. So at 23 for me, it was, I'd encourage this person to think about the hard skills that they really wanted to work on. And that could be super technical. It could be in marketing. It could be in an industry where you're using your hands. But are there skills that you want to go really sort of um, be able to put in that personal portfolio and say, I've been able to do this? I would also say... A 23 year old today has a tremendous advantage if they have a good attitude and a good work ethic mm-hmm. and they show up and they show up on time. Do not underestimate the power of those things right now, because whether it's true or not, and I can count many examples where this isn't true. There is a misnomer right now about 20 somethings. I agree. Yeah. And so as a 20 something year old right now, you are already in an advantage by showcasing that you have the grit the work ethic, the ability to show up and, um, and be open to learning, right? So thinking about the skills that you want to glean, thinking about the experiences you want to glean, and I wouldn't just think about the next job or the next promotion. No. Right? You have to think farther ahead of, um, and also if you have no idea what you want to do, this is where to your earlier point. Okay,
0: let me, that, that's, I was going to pin you yes, there. Yes, yes. Okay, I don't know how many people leave freaking college yeah. and this is fine. Yeah. This is fine. I don't know what I want to do.
1: Right.
0: What do you tell that person?
1: There are two kinds of people. There are the types of people that knew from an early age that they, they knew what they wanted to do. My husband's one of those people. He was in junior high. And oh, he knew- me, I was there. I wanna be this.
0: Yeah, five years gonna, old, I'm gonna coach college football.
1: Okay, the, you you decided yeah. to craft your whole career yeah. around getting to that point, and mm-hmm. he's done the same thing. I am the other kind of person yeah. that really didn't have a shining passion or a really deep desire. I just found that some a lot of things were interesting and I really wasn't sure what I was good at and so I had to go test. Mm-hmm. That's why I worked in three or four different industries. Yeah. and And so I would say a lot of that is hands-on experience. Your example about your friend who worked that summer mm-hmm. in an industry he didn't know, that's what you have to do you yeah. got to put yourself in a position to go fall flat on your face. Yeah. And the most important thing I think we can tell the 23-year-olds is failure is going to happen. The sooner you accept that and recognize the tools that you need in terms of how to get back up off your feet, you will be light years ahead of your peers. What the
0: free stuff does, the free stuff helps you figure out, which is just as important. The free stuff helps you figure out what you don't want to do. That's true. Like real estate, I want to be in real Well, go, go be with a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Go be with a real estate investor right. and like, go, oh, this sucks. I don't want to do this.
1: Yeah. Well, good thing. Yeah. You're not committed it's to figured, it. Figure that out. Yeah. So, But I will say people in our position, I won't speak for you. Yeah. I would be very, very, very open to somebody who said, I've done research on your business. I really like what yeah. you're about. I would love to give you my time for the next six weeks and I want to learn everything I possibly can. Would you be open to that? Yeah. Oh my God. I would be. And by the way, that's a lot of work for somebody to take on an intern because you've got to structure a program. You've got to make sure it makes yeah. sense. You've got to, you know, give them the tutelage and the oversight, but I would be willing to do that because you know what? Somebody did that for me.
0: Okay. So I had this conversation with one of my people of the day. she has got a graduating senior, doesn't want to go to college, whatever. And she's like, I was like, did she want to go to college? She's like, no, nah, not really. I was like, what's she going to do? She's like, I don't know. I said, listen, go find a job. Yeah. Work 30 hours a week doing something. Mm-hmm. Walmart, coffee shop, DoorDash, I, it doesn't matter. Mm-mm. Get money coming in the door because mm-hmm. you got to figure out money. And then, like you said, go find something that you think that you're interested mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and go do it for free and tell them, hey, and, and be super realistic. Say, hey, Jennifer, I love what you're doing with Blue Root. Can I come work with you for 15 hours a week? Yes. And just figure it out because yeah. you don't have any responsibility at freaking 19 years old. No. So
1: it's the right, I mean, it's the right call, but I do think that hands-on experience it's unmatched, right? The books can only take you so far. Go out and do, the horror, do get your hands dirty. You gotta do. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. 23 year old self. I got three. Tell me. Really quickly. Learn how to make money. Okay. Like figure it out. Yep. You gotta figure out how to make money, um, to where you can just, just live. Yep. Okay. Um, is that selling? I think selling is paramount. Mm-hmm. Like you got to figure out how to sell because I'm selling, you sell every day yeah. to your kids, to your husband, to your crew, people, mm-hmm. to your whatever. Number one, number two, don't buy stupid stuff and stay out of debt.
1: Like, These are very practical.
0: Don't buy stupid stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: So don't trade up on cars. Mm-hmm. Don't like those things do not. Matter. No. So learn how to make money. Don't buy stupid stuff. I know those are both financial things. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is a little bit like theoretical, okay. but I heard a guy say this and it just resonated with my soul because I'm a believer in the little things. And he said, Show up every day. Like, don't miss. Mm-mm. And that that's theoretical, mm-hmm. but show up every day. Mm-hmm. It's the small, th- okay? I heard this and he'll love this. So the guy goes, He was a. This guy was a cusser. He's like, there is no effing silver bullet. It's a thousand gold BBs. Yes. And I was just like, that is so good. But it's also
1: so applicable to everything, right? Yes. People want the quick fix. Does this not apply to fitness?
0: It. it Yes.
1: A teeny bit every day is better than doing one hard workout every two weeks. Just exactly a bit, right. Showing up every day. So those are my
0: 23 that. year old things. I love that. And those are and those are a little bit theoretical, but like they can fit into everything every mm-hmm. every 23 year old because I can't tell you people that are in their early 20s that have debt. I got eight or nine thousand dollars of credit card debt mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh. Don't do so, it. So
1: yeah. Um, I think that's right. But I also would say mm-hmm. there's maybe one more thing. Yeah. At 23, theoretically, you're unencumbered right? This is the, this is the time where you actually could go do something wild and crazy. When I say that, I mean, push yourself, Yeah. take a risk, yeah. right? Move to a new city or test that job that's outside of the limits of what you think you can do. But this is the time because if you cannot teach yourself in your twenties to go learn how to try something new, fall on your face and get back up, it's going to be right. really hard to learn that when you're in your thirties and forties, when you theoretically have more responsibility, other people to care for
0: a, a spouse,
1: a mortgage to pay. I mean, yeah. all of these things. So I just take the, I mean, be calculated about it, but take the risk, sure. take the risk.
0: Figure it out. Yeah. Try,
1: try something new. Right?
0: Um, investing. Yes. A business owner, high income doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, yeah. you know, what's what y'all's investing split So a
1: um, most of it is tied up in real estate.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Like what? So,
1: well, we've got, a house yep. and I would say, um, we're invested in some other properties through funds, right? Okay. So real estate is like a good place for By us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or yeah, yeah. Or multifamily. Um, but either way, there's like some interesting opportunities on the real estate side that we've, that, that always feel comfortable. And I feel like it's in the family. So it's been something that we feel. Sure open about doing, um, I would say we have a large cash position right now because the markets are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest, I don't get, we don't get wild and crazy. We have any of our investable assets, most of them sitting in Vanguard. Really? Yeah. I just, we don't get, I, we don't end up paying fees. Boring, to...
0: compounding, just let it go. Yep. Do y'all dollar cost average? Do you take something every month, put it in there and just shut your eyes? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And for the most part, that's how we operate. And we try not to get cute. We're not economists. We're not. We're not trying to time the no. market. Um, and every now and then, we'll find. I mean, Mike actually has a better sensibility than I do. But he's invested in a couple of what we'll call like individual stocks over the last, you know, ten to fifteen years. And those have been more like money that we say, "Here's a little bit," and we're comfortable if things go down the drain. Whereas the preponderance of our wealth, or any cash that we have sitting either in cash reserves to be used for operating capital, or sitting in Vanguard. Yeah, and it's just it's not sexy it's just it's simple but it's direct and we know the outcome it's
0: boring yeah
1: but the other thing I would say too is we have personal capital tied up in both businesses and so Mm -hmm. we've de-risked I mean I'm in the two riskiest industries that exist sure right tech Tech, startups and restaurants restaurants. let's be honest and so de-risking it for our family was really important too yeah right
0: something conservative yeah good
1: yeah conservative what we know so try not to be cute with it but kind of boring but real
0: it's fun totally fun how about you um, so we dollar cost average, mm-hmm. and, I, and I I'm not a market guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We have a guy that does that okay. for us, and we just give it to him. Very very low fees, like yeah. you're saying. Right. And so probably forty to fifty percent of our net worth is there. I don't count our house. There's equity in our house, but yeah. like, I mean, yeah. you could go get it, but you do you really want to do Mm-mm. that? Um, but then we are heavy heavy into real estate. Mm-hmm. When I say real estate, we're multifamily, so we yeah. own. Thirty three doors. Yeah. Thirty-two of them are long-term rental apartment right. complexes. And then one of them is short-term rental. Do you
1: have somebody managing those by the way? Or no. are you manage okay
0: well we do manage the short-term rental. Yeah. Now listen, I'm saying this. And I told of this today. I don't not I am not a fan of like going out and buying a bunch of Airbnbs short-term rental. Right. right. I just that's not my flow. And there are some people that are just backing the truck up yeah. doing that. It's For not sure. my thing. Um I have a propensity to, to tilt towards real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, I just bought another business. Tell me, Uh, are we
1: allowed to talk about it?
0: Yes, we are. (laughs) It's not, it's not final yet, but, um, it will be when this, when this airs. So I bought a destination wedding planning business. Stop it.
1: Okay. You were surprised by my answers for my top three non-negotiables. I am surprised by this answer.
0: So (laughs) I'm a huge fan, almost fangirling, fanboying over this the girl named Cody Sanchez. Okay. okay. Oh, you, I just, yes. I just, I think she's the best thing since peanut butter. Uh, I don't know her moral standards at all. I just know that her thoughts and the way she expresses her, I love. And so she talks about buying boring businesses right. and things like that. And I love real estate. And so we take a portion of everything. This is a little bit counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, I take every, a portion of everything that our business meal fit brings in and I allocate a portion to other investments. Okay. So gross. Yeah. So if we take in $10,000 or $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars this week, a portion of that goes into an account that I can take to go invest in whatever. Right. It's not a huge portion, but it is a portion and again, compounds and builds up. And so her theory and thought is go by boring businesses that are just, they just slowly churn out cash flow, slowly mm. make money, buy them from people that have owned it for a while, mm-hmm. that can you go in and add something to it okay. to make it better. Okay. So I posted on LinkedIn, this lady saw a video of me saying, I want to buy boring businesses, buy something that you're, are you a business owner that want to get out of something? Don't just let it go by the wayside. Right. I'll buy it from you. Right. Get a DM from this random lady.
1: No. Based where?
0: In Costa Rica. She's Canadian. Okay. And she starts, we go back and forth. And I said, let's just hop on a call yeah. and talk through it. Yeah. And she goes through these numbers. And she hasn't done anything with this business marketing-wise. The Instagram sucks. The website's very below average. Like, she's showing pictures on her on her stuff from like right. 2010. Right. And I'm just like, and she's still just churning out money. Now, she's not a gazillionaire she is so antiquated with what she's doing. She's great. I love her. She's okay. wonderful. But we negotiated a price and we're going to buy. Him. And so she plans destination weddings okay. in Costa Rica.
1: Where in Costa Rica?
0: There's It's a from the central, from San Jose, okay. all, upon, all along the southern border. So okay. she doesn't really go north. Okay. She's got a handful of places that she refers. Yep. She gets referrals from. She gets literally no like Social media, no, none of that stuff. She hadn't done it in years. Stop. And she's still, it's a full-time living for her, and she hasn't marked because she has another like a PR agency that yeah. she starts. She loves PR. And and so we're gonna buy it.
1: Stop. Okay, so so many questions. Mm-hmm. One of which is in the age that we're in today where everybody's talking via screens, how do you gut check this? Is this person living in Costa Rica?
0: She does. Um, so the handful of things that we did wa- was she lives in Costa Rica and some of the weddings she physically goes and plans herself. Some of them she doesn't. Okay. So she has people in these different locations that she will pay a fee to. Right. That'll and they handle- will manage all of it. Okay. Okay. There are also, because there are some competitors there, that all, that they don't do it at all. They don't go to all. So we kind of took what she does, the thought from these other people, the competitors, and said, how can we do this and do it well? And so here, but let me tell you how to negotiate this thing. So yes. Cody talks about owner financing, not having to take out loans and yep. things like that. Yep. If you can, that's fine. Right. So here's what we did. We agreed upon a price. Okay. And I said, why don't we do this? I've got somebody. So the biggest thing with buying a business is making sure you have someone that can operate it. Yes. So I've got someone who's just a absolute stallion at this thing. Amazing. She works for me now. Okay. And I said, Hey, what do you think about this? And she just stood there staring at me going, I don't, I don't know, I don't I don't, I don't, know, I went, what? And so I explained it to her. And she said, well, let's talk to her. Yeah. And so I said, here's what we'll do. And I, When we agreed to quote unquote buy it, yeah. I said, here's what I'll do. I'll give you $5,000, okay. actual money. Yeah. I'll give you $5,000. Yeah. And for two months, I want my person to work alongside you okay. to learn it all. Okay. At the end of two months, if I don't like it, if she doesn't like it, because because look, I'm not going to be in the weeds.
1: Right, right.
0: If she doesn't like it, you keep the 5K and See we'll be later. out. And she agreed? She agreed. After that, I'll pay you quarterly for the next 15 months. Okay. X number of dollars until it's paid off. She said, great.
1: So after 15 months, she I, after I will
0: No, after, No. I will own the business when I sign the contract, but I will have a debt. She'll own or finance yeah. it to me, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I get to pay her over the course of 15 months. Which
1: really de-risks the situation. Oh my gosh.
0: Well, what happens is, is if I give her, obviously I'm out the first payment. Right. But after that, there'll be money coming in.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to pay her with that money.
1: Right.
0: And then, so what I did with my operator, I'll pay you a salary. Okay. That's a fine. Sure. You're not going to get rich on it. Right. Pay your salary. But when the debt is paid off, when I've recouped the investment, I will give you X number of percentage of profit. Okay. Double digit.
1: Not equity, profit share. Profit share. Got it.
0: I said, and also when I sell the business, I will give you X percent. Of the sale. Of the sale. So it's kind of, it's a little bit of an equity piece in there, but like. Not but really, it, it's profit But shit. it's
1: okay. But, that's, yeah. but that encourages it. She feels like she's got skin in the game. She does. Right? And that profit, that denominator is bigger if she's... Kills it. Right? That's so, so interesting. Yeah. So out of left field, this comes. You put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, an interesting opportunity hits. Tell me the time frame of the moment that that DM hit on LinkedIn to now you're in a place where you have actually have something really tangible.
0: Uh... So before the two-month period start, and I consider the 5K, uh, probably two months.
1: Wow. That's fast. Yeah. That's fast.
0: You got to go. 5000 like, if you're listening to this, you have no money in the bank. I'm yeah. sorry this. I, you think I'm a, you know, weirdo. $5,000 in that situation is not a lot of money. No. It's just not.
1: Yeah part of the investment. It's yeah. part of
0: the investment. Yeah. It's like you said before we got on air. You got to have money. You got to spend money to make money. And so I said, okay, let's try it. And I told, and I, and I did go over this with my wife. I said, hey, if we don't like it, I'm just gonna let her keep the five grand. She's like five thousand dollars. I'm like, it's it's fine. Like, it's fine. I
1: know.
0: So and then we got the two months, and then mm-hmm. she's gonna stay on to train to to like um as consulting or right. just for for four more months.
1: Amazing. So she's got so a, little, she, a little money coming in. She's
0: incentivized. I'm going to pay her, but then she's she's going to be there for four more months. I mean, here's the thing too. This is where I think I have a little bit of advantage is I would never do this, but she doesn't know that.
1: Yeah.
0: If the business doesn't thrive, Mm -mm. she's not going to get paid. No. So she wants to be there to make sure we're successful.
1: Right.
0: So, yeah, so that's what we
1: bought. Oh, my gosh. Would you ever have imagined that this was the business that would be in your personal portfolio today? Never. Never. What did you have in mind? Did you have some, like, yeah. preconceived notions? I
0: did. I nearly bought a, a pressure washing business. Okay. Um, I nearly bought, I Came. I came super close. This was, like, two months ago, a month and a half, two months ago. I came within a nats hair of buying a parking lot striping business.
1: Okay, so for those listening, what was it your spidey sense? Was it the fact that the economics didn't make sense? Like, why did you,
0: the economics made sense.
1: They did.
0: It was super high margins, but 48, 48
1: to 52%. But you didn't pull the trigger because. I
0: didn't because the guy that was going to be the operator, he said he couldn't, he didn't think it was right. Okay. And, and I can't, you can't run a business that's full, like a labor job without an operator in place. I can't, I can't spend the money. And, Go move forward if I don't have a guy or no. a person that's I can't go search for that thing. No. Plus, I knew this guy, I felt comfortable with him, and he just said, You know, he, said, he looked at me and said, Coach, I don't know if I want to, I just don't know if this is the best thing. I was like, yeah. All right, sounds good. Right. I'm not going to be in the weeds. No, I'm you're not going to force him, right? No, so. no, no. So, yeah, so, so yeah I've came close on those two things.
1: Wow. Okay. Any advice for if you were to do this again, would you do anything differently?
0: Buy a business mm-hmm. with, th- uh,
1: like this think, whole process.
0: I think what I've done so far with the, the wedding planning business has been pretty tight. Yeah. I did talk to Lindsay. Yes. Lindsay Miller comes up all the time on this she does, show. She does, and she's deserving. Yeah. So Lindsay's going to do our finances. Amazing. like Just accounting and mm-hmm. just all the checks and balances and things like that. Um, but she recommended me to a M&A lawyer mm-hmm. that... It's very right. specific so there are lot. I did not realize this until about three or four years ago for every type of law there is there, there's hundreds literally hundreds yeah. of types of lawyers yes. so an M&A lawyer is a mergers and acquisitions yes. so it's buying businesses selling businesses bringing businesses together all that stuff so Michael Clark is who we're going through he's going to help through all the contracts and things Amazing. like that I talked to him yesterday and so we've been delayed a little bit because he was in Italy for like two weeks and so he's going through all that just to make sure that everything's buttoned go? up Everything's tied. If this is
1: not a good reminder to everybody, make sure you have your legal oh. eyes dotted and T's crossed because that will just annihilate you. We are going end. through
0: a legal thing right now, and I will tell you this off air of a contractor. So let me just say this. I'll just go through it. So if you're having anything work done in construction, if it be your house or the project, whatever the case is, okay, yes. you have to make sure that the contractor you hire, okay, Make sure that you get what they call a lean release. You ever heard of this? No. Okay. You've never heard of this? Well,
1: maybe I have. I don't know. I feel a little bit... A lean release.
0: A lean release when they're doing a project at your home. Okay. Number one. That's on the back end. Number two. Never give the final payment until the job is totally done. Totally done. Like, crap cleaned up, landscape, everything that's agreed upon has to be totally done. Then you can give the last payment. Okay. Once you get that last payment you need to give that last, but you must have a lien release from that contractor. Okay. Saying that all these subs have been paid and all the materials have been paid.
1: Oh no. Okay. So what happened?
0: What happened? What What's happening? Like as I sit here today, I got a lien notice on my house because a guy wasn't paid. Oh no. And you only have 120 days after completion of that, that subs. Okay, what right. is a sub? Subcontractor. Right. So I'm having stuff done at the back of my house, an awning, it's beautiful, it's outside, it's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. But let's just say the let's just, what uh the concrete. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead, concrete The concrete guy hadn't been paid. Well, the concrete guy hadn't been paid a pretty good chunk. Okay, I'm not gonna use numbers, but a pretty good chunk. He's calling, he finally get in, touch, get in touch with us, the homeowner. Oh, and he wouldn't contract through us. He's contracted the contractor. Right. And so I end up. So you have 120 days when work is complete in order to be paid. If you go past that 120, something about you can't file. So the sucker and he told us, he's like, hey, I'm filing a lien on your home. I don't want to take your I don't want to do this, but I got to get the contractor's attention.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's what I'm going through right now. I'm not stressed about it, but I'm just like,
1: no, it's just one this is of stupid. Thing. No, it is.
0: So yeah, there make you sure go. you get a lien release if you're working yeah. with a contractor. Okay. Yeah. So,
1: wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm still fascinated by the purchase of this business. Mm-hmm. Good luck to you. Thank you. And I you. hope that really goes well. But what an interesting way to structure it. And I feel like that's a great, it's just a really, you really de-risked it for yourself and you can really see the business unfold. You still have the person who knows all the ins and outs there. I mean, pretty incredible.
0: I, I'm excited about it. Um, because I want to be able, so I get to ask this question all the time about quote unquote passive income and like income that you're not physically working for all the time. Um, I feel like this is a good way to start down that road.
1: I think it's amazing. It's amazing. So
0: I'm going to, but I'm still looking for stuff.
1: Okay. So you have some, I don't know, economic bandwidth Mm -hmm. that you can put into Play and you know what that is and so that could be a couple businesses it could be many just depending on the price tag because you're going to have an operator for each of them yeah
0: you'll have an operator for each of them uh, also so the, the, the dollars that we set aside every month what we do is we, we have that in a pot that we can do just about anything with so the areas we do so we dollar cost dollar cross average we talked about that and the reason I am so just like dead set on that is because that's what helped us buy our first apartment complex wow okay. so when I was 18 years old so we can I come from a very middle class family. My parents lived in debt, two school teachers, nothing crazy, but they lived off credit cards. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it, but I realized that that was a part of life that I did not want to do. Mm-hmm. My mom still questions me to this day. She's like, "I don't, not real sure where this came from, right?" But whatever. So when I was eighteen, so in Alabama, I don't know how it was in California. When I, in Alabama, when you graduate, when kids graduate from right. high school, you send out these graduation invitations. And girls get gifts and things. Boys get money. It's 20s, 40s, fifty, whatever. So I ended up getting $2,000. Okay. In 1998, that was a lot of money. Yeah. So I took $2,000. I took 1000 of it and just had it in my pocket. I could buy whatever I wanted to with. I took another 1000 and I gave it to this guy in the, I don't even remember the freaking guy's name. It, was, it goes to our church.
1: Okay. And he
0: was a financial planner. Okay. And I gave him $1,000 yeah. I, and I said, so what do I do? He said, give it to me. And then what I want you to do is I want you to set up an auto draft. Okay. Dollar cost averaging 25 bucks a month.
1: Okay.
0: I did it all through college. I did it when I didn't make any money mm-hmm. working at NC state, made $14,000 a year working 90 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Did it then. <clears throat> did it through my time, not making any money, having kids. And sometimes it had gotten up to three or $400 a month. Sometimes it was 25 bucks a month, right. but I did it every month. So when I was thirty seven, I had right at hundred grand in there, mm-hmm. and I used that as the down payment for our first apartment complex. So I'm very, very, like, I guess the words bullish on this is something to do. Shut your eyes. It's it's the t- stands the test of time. Yes. You're going to go through recessions. It's going to happen. But when you go through recessions, you're going to be able to buy more during that time. Yep. And I just think it's—I just think it's a great thing.
1: It is, and it's never too late to start. So if you haven't started, just start. And it's yeah, the best thing you can tell your college-age kids: um, there is a great book. I'll teach you to be rich. Yes. And it essentially—you know this book?
0: For me? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I mean, there's th- several themes in there. He's but, the
0: new age Dave Ramsey.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: He, he's the new generation Dave Ramsey because a lot of people have are very averse to Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey helped me a lot. My thoughts have changed totally okay. of things I've learned. But okay. Ramit is the new, he's the, I think he's a new advanced version of Dave Ramsey.
1: That's so interesting. For those who haven't read the book, there's a couple of themes in there, mm-hmm. but I would say one that just is a shining star, figure out what's important to you, where you want to go, what you want to do. And it could be anything, right? It could be that you love shoes. Mm -hmm. It could be that you want to travel. (laughs) It could be that your college kids education should be paid, whatever it is, like you pick your things and you save aggressively Mm -hmm. and you slash mercilessly on everything else in order to save for those. And so, you know, he tells you to set up auto drafts to go to a certain account. I mean, it's pretty, um, pragmatic. It's very specific. It's very actionable, but it's just a good reminder. Like, and it's, there's another book out there. I think it's called, you know, the, um, miss skip the latte or whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. the idea is five bucks a day five yep. bucks a month, whatever it might be over time. Over It really time. matters. Yeah.
0: Compounding. Yeah, there you go. Um, so the dollar-cost-to-everything thing, the real estate stuff is a, is a big tilt toward, towards yep. us. And just, I say real estate, anything that, from a business standpoint. Okay. And then lastly, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, we have gotten into this last year is the whole infinite banking thing. Okay. Do you know anything about that? No. Okay long explanation, but I won't bore you with the details. It is a theory and a thought and all a lot of companies use this infinite banking thought process. Going back to Dave Ramsey, he hates it. He thinks it's spawn of Satan. But what it is, is whole life insurance that is not life insurance. You're not buying life insurance. You're buying a tool, a savings tool, savings mechanism that will allow you to Use that money for anything that you want. Okay. So you obviously have a life insurance premium, but then you overpay or put more, more money into it. And what that does, it's just cash value. Okay. And what you can do is that money in there is drawing interest and it has a dividend. Okay. So it's very slow, very boring, right? But you, it's pretty expensive. It's not for everybody. Okay. And then when that money is in there, I have two things. That money grows. Right. And then I also have a death benefit. Okay. Okay. So it takes care of my family. Right. If something, God forbid something happened. But what happens is when that money is in there, you have a cash value. I can take that money and use that money to do other things. So a great example. Okay. Okay. I just gave a guy eighty thousand dollars to do a flip. I didn't do it. He said, "Give me eighty. I'll give you fifteen percent in six months." Okay, that's thirty percent yearly. That's pretty freaking good. Okay. So I pull money out of this IBC, what I call IBC account. I give him the Mm eighty, but but my money is still growing, still getting the interest, Mm -hmm. still working the dividend, and I took that money out and I gave it to him. And he is using the same dollars. Okay. I heard a guy say this, and this is the phrase of the month. And he said, give your money more than one job. And so it's growing here, but it's also working here. And so the and the con the big picture concept is this is get to the point where you don't need a bank. Now this is not today. Right. Like if I want to go buy Another apartment building or Sorry. whatever. I, can't, I don't have enough in there. But over the next 10 years, I will. Okay. The n- other layer of this is to teach your kids the concept so that if they don't want to, they never have to use a bank. They can use their own money. You have to pay. I, I'm going to pay that money back to that. Right. But here's the thing. So say I've got a $2 million death benefit and say I've got $400,000 of cash value. I can pull $400,000 out. Say I pull 300 out and I'm working and I'm using it. Say I don't pay it back. Say I get hit by a bus and I don't pay the $300,000 back. So if I got a $2,000 death benefit, a $2,000,000 death benefit and I have $300,000 out, what's the death benefit going to be now? 1.7. Right. So it's a loan, but I don't have to pay it back. It just comes off the top of the death benefit if I don't want to.
1: Understood. Tax? up.
0: All grows tax-free.
1: Okay, and then when you take it out, it's just a loan, so it's it a doesn't. Loan. And the term to pay it back is infinite. Whenever, to your point. Well, that is a new one. Wow.
0: For people that make more than above average income. Yep. Excuse me, above average consistent income. Mm-hmm. It is a game changer. It is something that I think that you guys would probably at least dip your toe in and look at it and say, yeah. okay, what is this? Is this for us? Yeah. Because it is a what I've learned. Is legacy wealth and making sure that I'm just—I don't want to teach. I want to give my kids. I want to give my kids enough money to where they can do anything they want, mm-hmm. but not enough to where they don't have to do anything.
1: This is such an interesting concept. I ask my friends who are parents, which is if you're in a position to bestow some level of wealth on your kids how do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And some, and the answers vary with people that have, you know, very aligned value systems, people that, you know, I think I sort of know how they operate. And the answers vary from, I'm going to give them everything at the age of 18 mm. to, I'm not going to give them a dime because I earned this through learning what it meant to go through all this, all of those experiences. There's a great vignette in, um, a, Um, I think it's the David and Goliath, Malcolm Gladwell book to sort of paraphrase it. It's a guy who grew up in a rough part of Chicago, ended up making it big in the entertainment industry in LA. And when he looked forward at his kids and said he wanted to give them all of the things that he never had, he realized there was a conundrum because by giving them everything, it robbed them of the raw, um, realities of how to struggle, how to, earn, how to learn, how to do those things. And so it's an interesting question. How much do you give your kids? At what age? Mm. Right. And I feel like I've got to crowdsource this one. We've got a two year old so far away, but it's one that I struggle with.
0: Have you set up a will yet?
1: hmm.
0: So do you have things in place like what happens if Jay is your husband's name? Mike. 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 What happens if you and Mike are on a plane mm-hmm. and you both get killed? Mm hmm. Do you have that set up? Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Because those are things that people don't think of. And you're
1: right. You're absolutely right. And the things that people don't want to think about. Yeah. It's the hard, the tough realities. because
0: um, if you're worth, let's just say if you're worth, say you're worth four or five million bucks. Just liquid and stop, whatever. Sure. You don't want to give four or five million bucks to an 18 year old.
1: No. No chance. No so chance.
0: If, so if you're you, God forbid, something happens, you got a 10 year old, yeah. y'all die, and they got eight more years for that juice to keep running. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be at then? Right. And so what we laid out was like, hey, at this age, you get this much. At this age, you get this much. At this age, you get this right. much. And then, hey, if they ain't got about the time of the 35, they ain't going to get it. That's what boy said. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm like, it's good. That's it's great. good. It's so, great.
1: But those are, those are tough conversations to have, but they're so critical. Yeah. And you think back to being 18 years old, um, brains are oh not even fully formed yet, no. right? So, um, it is interesting though.
0: So, wow. all right. Okay. Uh, this has been great. Anything else before we get out of here? Anything at all?
1: Man, I want to, can you tell me yeah. your approach for managing people? Mm. You've got a lot of different businesses. You're clearly expanding. You're looking in new industries, but there's got to be some you know, thematic overlap on like how you manage them strategically, but <sighs> part of that is always the people.
0: Uh, that is a moving target, Jen. And I think with managing people, I heard a, I heard a coach say this one time, and I, I really believe this. He said, you hear parents and people say, you got to treat them all the same. No. no. You can't treat people all the same because everybody has different um, personalities. There's different tendencies. There's different things. So what makes Matt tick is totally different than Sierra. It's totally different than Kristen. It's totally different than Luke. The hardest part is figuring out the psychological part of managing people and what what helps Jen. How do I talk to Jen? Mm-hmm. How do I talk to Luke? How do I talk to how do I talk to these different people? And being able to do I need to go put my arm around Jen mm-hmm. and tell Jen how much. And this this is what I struggle with. We had a thing in our team where I was faced with. These are the th- and I even I ask them, hey, here's what we're doing. What am I good at? What am I not good at? And I had my team say, you're not good at these things. And I said, okay, I will get better at those things. So I gotta figure out what I gotta do and get better at those things. And then also I think that, and what's what I'm learning, and you don't know this. You gotta get people on the team that that you feel like will mesh with your personality. Mm-hmm. So I hired this girl named Kristen, and she's been great. We have a lot of the same personalities, but what we did with her is we did put her on a ninety-day trial. Interesting. And said, "Hey, let's try this for ninety days because yeah. I feel like after ninety days we'll figure this thing mm-hmm. out. And if it, at the end of ninety days it ain't working, we'll shake hands and go from
1: there." Was she if receptive is, to that? She
0: was. Okay. And if and she all but was, here's what I did: I put her at a certain pay.
1: Yeah.
0: In the ninety. And then I said, if this works out, I'll pay you this after the night.
1: Incentive, yeah.
0: And so she she was like, yep, I'll
1: do
0: it. Okay. I can prove that. So that's a long answer to a short question is like, I think it's always a moving target. I think Mm -hmm. you have to figure out what makes that person Mm -hmm. tick. Yep. But you also have to rule. I say rule. You have to have to lead in your comfortability zone. Yeah. And you got to be like, for me, I'm very straightforward. I'm very black and white. I'm not sugar-coated. And if you have like people that need to pat on the butt all the time, I have to work on that because I'm not very good at that. I know. So
1: How much of this do you take when you think about parenting? How much of your leadership style applies to how you parent?
0: A lot. Yeah. I don't know if it's a leadership style. I think the better term is a personality style. Mm-hmm. Uh very black and white. I want to run, i very, I have a very, very hard time with uh, expectations. Mm-hmm. So I do things a certain way. So I feel like that you should do things a certain mm-hmm. way. And that gets me in, in trouble in two areas. Number one, with my kids. And number two, in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Because my wife has a totally different personality than mm-hmm. I do. Even though we're both loud, we're both, you know, fun. Yeah. But like we have totally different thought processes. Yeah. And so the personality part is um, is what I have to manage in making sure that I'm touching areas that, excuse me, I'm being intentional to touch the areas that I'm not very good at.
1: That takes a lot of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. It takes being open to hearing the hard feedback. It's one thing coming from your team. It's another thing coming from your family. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's incredible. Yeah. You know, but you probably, and you lead, coach, parent your kids differently based on their own personalities? I, I try to. Yeah.
0: I try to. Um, and that's the hard part. Yeah. Is you know what they can do. That's the frustrating part about your kids. You know what they can do and they don't do that. When you see them do A and they don't do A in this situation, you're like, hey, dude, you just did this. I know you can do this. 100%. And so I said, uh, before we leave, the one of the things I've, I've, re- I've been reading lately about parenting is... Um, there's a book called Hunt, Gather, Parent.
1: Okay.
0: And they talk about, the girl is very, very good. She talks about it in the book, and she visited Mayans, so people in Central America. Yep. I say Mayans, that, that sect of family, Alaskan Inuit okay. people. And there was another group, I can't remember. But she talked, one of the themes, central themes was this. She said, I'm done. Going to two-year-old birthday parties. I'm done doing all these fancy play days. I'm done centering my life around my child. She said, what I've seen with these people that are producing amazing humans is not making the kid the center, wow. but including the kid in what we do. Wow. So at two, she's having the kid come help with dinner, messing up the tortillas, screwing up the so-and-so and and she's very specific i can get in the weeds for this she's very specific she said don't give them fake jobs give them real jobs and if they screw it up help and go on and don't hold them to the fact that they need to help for an hour right folding clothes doing dishes going here going there they throw the kids in the car or the bike or whatever and they go they include their kids in so much one of the things that I pulled from that is Tegan, my 11-year-old, came to work with me yesterday. I had him di- had him not sit in one meeting. Okay. But other than that, the sucker was sitting right there next to me all day long. How'd he do? He did great. I had to touch his arm leg a couple of times because Tegan's got my personality. He wants to interject really quickly. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to include last, um, was it last, last, this morning, Georgia, seven years old, raised holy hell when I asked her to help with the uh, crescent rolls. Mm-hmm. So I said, what? She, this is what she does. This is what my seven-year-old, and I'm ashamed to say, she said, well, what are you doing? And I go, well, first of all, I woke you up. Second of all, I washed all the clothes that you're wearing. Third, I fixed your bacon. Fourth, I got the crescent rolls out. Fifth, I turned the oven on. Here's what I need you to do. Yes, sir. And so she did it. So she I'm trying that. to include them in that. The last thing. Yes. I got a 14 year old. She is the one, she and my 11 year old are going to, going to prepare dinner one night a week. Wow. They got it. Okay. I will be there. Sure. But they got it. Okay. And it may be freaking peanut me. butter and jelly.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. It
0: may be whatever. But I got to teach them how to make rice. I got to teach them how to cook chicken. I got to teach them this. So tonight, Jonna, my 14 year old is making orange chicken. She loves orange chicken. That's great. So we got a recipe print. I I sent a message to her and my my wife, print the recipe out. Jonna, get the things out. Jonna, cut the chicken up. When I get there, I can direct you from there. Right. And I said, if you feel comfortable, Mm
1: -hmm. move forward. These are hard skills, which are amazing. But what you're teaching is responsibility, ownership, and contribution to the family.
0: Contribution to the family is so important. I've learned this. It's so important. And I'm trying to, you know, you read books and like sometimes you take one thing, sometimes you're never going to take the whole thing. But like inclusion of getting your kids involved and knowing how to run a home. Because the last thing you want you to do is your kid to get a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, go live with somebody and they're a freaking slug.
1: Yeah. Can't do it. There Sorry. was um, a similar as a mom who had three daughters who were in C-suites in companies we would all know. I can't, YouTube, Google. I mean like Google yeah, yeah, big, companies. Big ones. And they asked her, what the heck did you do? And she said, I never did anything that they could do for themselves. Yeah. And from, a, from an early age. And it was just, it's telling. When we think about raising kids. There's all these things we want to instill and in, impart, in be kind, be generous, yeah. be inclusive. Um, but being independent, particularly for a female, being able to know sure. the hard skills, but also um, how to stand on your own two feet, how to be yeah. responsible, how to take ownership, um, and how to mess up. And again, it's yeah. a theme for me. Like you keep getting back up. Failing in business has taught me more about being a good, a good parent mm-hmm. and recognizing how important instilling that skill is on encouraging her to take risks, encouraging her to fall, and knowing that you know she's gonna be able to strengthen those muscles to get back up. But all of that starts at this, these early ages, early ages. So thanks for that. I'm going to add that book to my, the hardest
0: thing, the hardest thing I think we have as parents is to teach our kids. And this is what I'm trying. I try to teach this every day. I try to teach them to walk in the room and see what needs to be done. And this is the term I, I use walk in the room. What can you do to make the home better? Amazing. And this is like pick up clothes Put stuff in the. I, it's super it small things, right. because there are times when you walk in the door and you have to go from from event A to event B, mm-hmm. and you, my wife, flips her shoes off, goes and puts another pair of shoes on. The shoes are sitting mm-hmm. on the floor. No big deal, no right. big deal. Right, right. But when we get that, what do we do to make the home better? Right. It's just because it's not yours. Don't ever let them say I didn't do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't
1: matter. It's not my job. We don't. We don't no. say those words.
0: No. Yeah. So getting your kid to be able. To, coaching your kids to be able to walk into the room and see what needs to be done because when they do that when they have that skill they will have that skill at home but they'll also have it at work yep. they'll have it at church yep. they'll have it at wherever right. the, the team Right. and so for, teaching that has been very very
1: difficult we always say how you do the small things is how you do the big Everything, things yep. and it's so, um, it's so true Awesome. I've taken so much wisdom from this awesome. today. So fun to be this back. This has been
0: great. So thank you so much. I am so sad that you're leaving. I I'm know. so excited that you're leaving because I know that it's something that it is a lifelong dream for your husband. I mean, who've, who who would know. have ever thought of that? Really and been. so you're getting to move to a great new place. And, um, I think the thing that I'm excited about is you can leverage the relationships you have from California, the relationships you have from New York and the relationships you have in Birmingham to just grow and do and just you've got a wonderful network and I'm so honored to be a part of that oh, and so just grateful. any small and large things and so if anybody needs to find you yes okay yes she's gonna she's all over she's got over. business uh businesses that can be run anywhere in the world she's got a business in Birmingham she's moving to Green Bay where can people find Jen Ryan
1: yes Instagram is okay. always good Jay Sensky Ryan or at Blue so I'm gonna have to say that again say it again Jay Sensky Ryan.
0: Okay, perfect. S E
1: N S K E R Y A N. Um, Or either one of the handles for Blue Root, Blue Root Co., or join crew, C R O U X.
0: C R O U X. If you're in the service industry, in any kind of hospitality industry, you got to go to crew.
1: I will also say, to your earlier point about 20-somethings, learning how to make money, you don't have to have hospitality skills. No, it's At the good. end of the day, hard skills are actually the last thing people want. They want somebody who's going to show up, show up on time, look professional, right. be presentable, say yes or yes, ma'am, and get the job done. Anybody can do that. Come earn some that's cash right. cause it's really fun. Um, and then the last I would say, email. It's yeah. out there. I'm putting it out there. j6ryan the at gmail.com. So um, easy. I'm so grateful. And you... People who don't know this, you have been this force for me behind the scenes, the sounding board, the straight talk, the supportive system. We only just met, it yeah, feels we like. Did. But um, again, thanks to Lindsay. But thank you because yes, you are a microcosm to me of what this town is about. And it's been, there's been such grace and gratitude.
0: Awesome. And thank you up. so much. That's it. Thanks, Woo! guys.